Cal writes a weekly or once every two weeks column. Two weeks. Yeah, for the Sun Journal yeah, still. Twice a month. Yeah, twice a month. There you go. Got one out, came out a couple days ago, a Christmas list for local sports fans. And what we've been talking about this week on the show is, uh, you know, losing high school football situation. You touched on it in your column, but what do you think they need to do to kind of get on the map in, in football a little bit here in Maine? Well, I think that's what they're trying to do with this decision. They're they're looking to kind of go go splashy. You know, I, I've mentioned a lot of people, I, I liken it to the South Portland situation where that's a program that's been down for the better part of, you know, 15 or 20 years since John Wolfgram moved on and, and they've kind of struggled, but the tradition is, is a mile long and they went out and got Coach Filio from uh, from Cape Elizabeth there in Filio this past week, an alumnus who uh, I, I predict in a year or two will breathe life right back into that program and you'll see them where they've always been. Um, and I think Lewiston is probably looking to do the same thing. Now, I don't know who it'll be. I certainly have a couple people in mind that it could be that are nearby who've had some success at smaller schools, and we can leave it at that. Uh, but uh, that's what they're looking. I mean, Bruce Nicholas is a great guy. Uh, known Bruce a long time. He's, he's been a successful uh, coach, uh, varsity and JV in in multiple sports. Uh, I, I thought it was an interesting hire for Lewiston at the time, but yeah, just because he hadn't been a head coach in a while and had been it had been at the Class D level. And uh, he's kind of always been a, an assistant coach ever since then. So I, I, I didn't necessarily uh, – wasn't sure what direction they are moving in there. And they, they made a little progress over the last four years, but I think their numbers have gone down pretty significantly. I know when he started out, he was, he was kind of uh, raving about the numbers, how he thought they were pretty good and it would only get better. And I, There's been a big downturn there. I, I think some of that is, is – cyclical and national in nature we've seen that uh, throughout the throughout the country as, as younger kids just aren't playing football for whatever reason for you know a lot of different reasons as much as they used to but i, I still don't think in a school of 1300 you know whatever it is six seven hundred boys that, uh, that 35 or 40 is acceptable you can't run a you can't win in class day with that so i think they got to go get someone who's uh, who's going to be in the hallways and, and kind of be energetic and uh, really promote the program at the at the lower levels and, and get it back to where it needs to be. I mean, Lewiston. I mean, we say it's a soccer school. It hasn't been a football school, but they've had some success. You know, Skip Capone had some success there. Won a state sure. title. Yeah. Had some had some good seasons. Uh, Bill County had some great seasons. Got them in the PTC finals on more than one occasion, if memory serves. So uh, it's it's there. The infrastructure's there. They got a nice, beautiful, flashy new facility. I think they're looking for a coach to match it. Oh, yeah, their facility is quite impressive, very impressive. You know, I got the chance to call the first game at that facility this year, which was uh, spoiled by Oxford Hills, who obviously had a great season. But uh, you also touch on Joe Harris-Simiak and what he's done at the University of Maine. Um, you obviously think he's going to be leaving fairly soon, probably for a big-time job. How many years do you think he's going to be at Maine before he uh, in- ends up getting a big offer? I don't know. I thought the the quote at the end of the Portland Press Herald preview story for that game was interesting. It wasn't a it wasn't a flat out denial of any of those things at all. It was like, well, it was the typical I'm focused on this game, and almost sounded like the words of someone who had people in his ear already <laughs> that were looking to get him to make that move. I don't know. It would seem like most of the jobs at this point for next year have already been filled. There aren't too many. I mean, they they seems like schools jump on it pretty quickly when they have an opening or they already have someone in mind but i think he's certainly on people's radar you don't uh, you don't get to the semifinals of, of the fcs without being on someone's radar i'm not saying it'll be a big job yet 
but I'm saying certainly, uh, you know, I, I thought the fact that he beat Western Kentucky, I thought of that as a job that opened up that would be interesting. But they 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 went with they went with an assistant from uh, Tennessee right away on that one. But uh, something like that, uh, a mid-major job, is certainly I would think in the next year or two, if he sustains sustains that success at all at Maine. Um, I think it's inevitable just because yeah, Maine doesn't have the the financial wherewithal to hold on to a coach like that. I mean, as much as much as uh, you know, I, I know he's a he's a loyal guy and he's loyal to his players, and and he he, we, he certainly has has bled blue the time he's been there. But I, I think ultimately, when you're when you're young and on the rise, you certainly have career aspirations, and I can't imagine he wouldn't take advantage of one at some point. Do you think Maine's going to experience a big bump in attendance next year? Because I think you wrote a column about how like they're still kind of struggling attendance-wise, aren't they? I just don't. I, I, I think, I, you know, as much as I try to <laughs> galvanize going and say, yeah. hey, get, get to the game, I just don't see that it, it's mm. ever going to happen. I mean, I think you got a stagnant population anyway. you get a stagnant economy in a lot of areas for a lot of people. Um, it's hard to commit that you know a full Saturday to that. It, it, you got travel issues in Maine to deal with because the, the flagship university is <laughs> well out of the way for a lot of people. Um, so yeah, I don't see that becoming uh, changing much, uh, and I, I don't see football necessarily becoming the main attraction there. I think uh, you know we've seen hockey and women's basketball be the <laughs> be, because sure. they had success in the '90s, especially, and people are hungry. You know, if the hockey program ever bounces back and has the kind of success it had or even sniffs that level of success i think you'll see uh, a lot of passion uh, directed toward that program but i just don't think college football is that uh, you know it, it's a totally different deal in new england than it is down in my part of the world let's say that <laughs> you know cal we even even when i played at maine they they saw that as an issue people getting up to orno to see a game whatever we, we played a couple games in portland for that reason yeah. I think well. I think also the travel for the visiting team coming from the Citadel, but but also you know I think they're looking to see whether they could get a great crowd and whether or not that would be a thing to do is to have a couple games down there every year. So and they've gone to playing a lot of games at home in prime time or at least at six o'clock. You know, yes. back in the day, playing at high noon, you know, people weren't necessarily going to come from all outposts of the state today. You got to get up early on a Saturday to do that. So. Uh, They've tried some things, uh, certainly refurbished the stadium uh, close to 20 years ago now. They, they made the, uh, the upgrades there, and it, it's, it, is, it is what it is. I mean, I think uh, they're going to have some success there, and I, you know, I think part of that success is because, let's be honest, a lot of the other FCS powers uh, in the East and Midwest have moved up to the major leagues here in the past uh, mm. couple of decades. So. Um, it's maybe not as hard to sustain that success as it used to be. Uh, the Colonial is still a, a brutal conference uh, in terms of the schedule when you have James Madison and Richmond and Villanova and Delaware year in and year out. So it, it's hard to win that. Maine deserves full credit for doing what it did this year. And uh, I don't think you can expect that kind of run every year, but uh, just the fact that it did uh, is, is exciting. I mean, I think it, it galvanized a lot of people. I think there were a lot of people Saturday that were at their TV set that hadn't watched a college football game this year <laughs> of any kind and probably in many years. You could tell by the way they were complaining about the red turf. I mean, like, if that's your biggest problem, you probably haven't watched a lot of college football, but I'm glad you are because it says it shows that uh, 
that Maine's getting the attention it deserves from from the home fans. Well, I mean, I know I have no connection to the University of Maine at all, but I remember I tuned into their fourth quarter against Weber State when they had those three interceptions. I'm like, wow, this team pretty legit. So actually, Saturday I was I was all hyped up. We had the TV ready. We you know saw saw every minute of the game. It was like, oh man, that's like, oh well, <laughs> like Eastern yeah, Washington's kind of played another level, but. <laughs> kind of saw that one coming a little yeah. bit. I think just that offense and being at home, and uh, certainly, certainly seems like the two best teams have survived to get to mm-hmm. the uh, FDS. But, but wouldn't that be nice? You know, and I, I, you've probably all seen the Mike Leach rant where he goes on this thing about, well, wouldn't it be nice if we if we could uh, follow the lead of all these lower levels of college football and have something like that for you know one A? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Right. Wouldn't that be? Uh, yeah. yeah. Actually, have the two have. Well, we're relatively sure the two best teams play in the five. Well, how could we do that? Oh, yeah, I don't know, maybe a 16 or 16-team yeah. tournament. That would be fantastic. That would be fun. I think they're going to expand it to eight pretty soon in the FBS. I think that's probably yeah. inevitable. Uh, but, you'll, you know, it, it's fun. no matter how many teams you have, you'll always have that element of somebody saying, we got robbed, we got left. Right. If, if you have four <laughs> teams, that number five teams, you know, by golly, we should have been in there. If you have eight. There's going to be a number nine that says, "Hey, we won our regular season title in Conference X, and we deserve it." I mean, I just think it's always going to be that way. I just think UCF going undefeated two straight years and not getting a chance to play for the national title is kind of ridiculous. So I would definitely support. I I guess if it were an eight-team tournament, I I I would have a hard time leaving them out. Right. Don't I don't have a hard time leaving them out of a (laughs) fourteen situation because. I mean, it's the naked eye test. And I know they can talk about beating Auburn, and Auburn beat so-and-so, and so-and-so beat so-and-so. And When you play a, an Auburn that's whatever they were last year, 8-4 and four going into a New Year's Day game, they're, they're, not, they're not motivated on the level that a team would be to play you in a playoff. So it, it's an unfair comparison. But that said, they've done everything within their power right. pretty much. I mean, the only other thing they could do is go on the road to a Power 5 school, whether it's Florida I know there've been offers for things like that. You know, they—they they, eventually you've got to do. Eventually you've got to do what Gonzaga does in basketball, sure. right? And you've got to play Tennessee. You've got to go to UNC. You've got to play Duke. You got to do some of those things. Otherwise, you. you I really think this year UCF had a game they were supposed to play at North Carolina. They got canceled because of like a. A, a storm or a hurricane or Probably something. Probably yeah. a game with Maine two years ago. Right, that's right. Storm and it was never reached last year. Right. So, yes, you know, yeah. hey, Maine could have Maine could have spoiled their <laughs> right you know, mythical national championship season. <laughs> no. But uh, okay, yeah, I, I think eventually, and part of the it's a double edged sword because some of those schools don't want to play a UCF even at home. They have right. no interest in, in you know they want their especially the SEC schools. They it's pretty obvious they want their home non conference games kind of cream puff <laughs> so i don't think a lot of them are lining up to play ucf but I, i'm sure there have been a couple of opportunities and eventually you got to avail yourself of one i was curious you're you're with the georgetown news graphic there in kentucky now are people excited about university of kentucky football <laughs> oh yeah they are okay they're, they're hugely <laughs> excited i mean yeah. I, I i you know and i think some of it it's it's a little bit because they're a little down on basketball right now so uh-huh. it kind of gives them I think this is. A, I think I read somewhere this is the first time in more than ten years that the the football team has actually been ranked in the AP poll ahead of where the basketball team. Is. Uh, wow, makes so sense. It, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, but it, it's funny how quickly 
like five years ago they were two and ten. Okay, and now they're 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 playing on New Year's Day. But it's funny how quickly people's like level of expectation changes. And as soon as something bad happens, it's like the the negativity is like, man, <laughs> you all you all were in bad shape before Mark Stoops got there. You got to be happy with whatever you accomplished. And you know they've got the best defensive player in the country and Josh Allen. They've got I, I think they're a little down on the offense and have been most of the year, but defense has carried them and. That you know you're in you're playing in the SEC and you're you're, you're contending you're you're in the, you're in the mix. I mean I don't see how that can be uh, disappointing on any level. And yeah, I think right now there's a, there's an excitement about playing on January first because that's something they haven't done around here uh, in a long time if ever. For sure. And then I'm curious the column you wrote um, about you touched on the Patriots was that written before or after they lost to the Steelers? <laughs> <laughs> It was written before that little blur, but let me tell you, I still think it's doable. I think if you look yeah. at uh, the Texans going to Philadelphia, that, their franchise, even dating back to the Tennessee days, I mean, or rather the the, uh, the, the Houston Oilers and the Houston, uh, the two franchises that have played in Houston, have never won in Philadelphia. I think they're 0-11. So uh, I, I, I think if they lose that game and get their yeah. fifth loss and the Patriots can hold serve, and they should. I mean, you should you should drill the Bills and the Jets. There's no excuse there. Right. And then you go 11-5, and five, you get the two seed. And the entire – all 32 teams are trash right now, okay? <laughs> they have achieved Pete Rozelle's dream <laughs> yeah. of, of, of mediocrity for everyone. If you – you know, I, I fortunately had the sound down because they were yelling at each other on ESPN here a few minutes ago and doing their power rankings. Somebody's got the Chargers at number one. If the, if the Chargers are the number one team in the NFL right now, anybody can win the freaking thing. Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't see I, – I love the fact that it may be the Chargers and Chiefs beating up on each other in that semifinal round because I, I think if the, if the Pats can hold serve, get those two wins, get the bye, get Houston at home – I think they put themselves in a pretty good position, historically speaking, to get to the AFC Championship game and either either host a, a four seed that wins that game or, or go on the road to a team that's probably uh, taken a beating the week before and looks vulnerable. I mean, I don't I don't see the Chargers as a scary team. I think they're 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 how how they perform in the postseason remains to be seen. And I think the Chiefs, uh, obviously, their offense has struggled since losing one of their stars. And not struggled, but it's certainly gone down. Not not struggled the way the Rams and the Saints maybe have the past couple of weeks. But guess what I'm saying is I think it's wide open, guys. And uh, I'm looking forward to to seeing the uh, seeing the Patriots get some home games because they haven't been there in a while, and they've certainly struggled on the road. So they've got to minimize that as much as possible. I think they absolutely need to get that two seed to have any chance of of, of playing into late January. Cal, I said to Aaron when I came in, people are. Overjoyed on ESPN that the Patriots' demise is, <laughs> might be upon us. Oh, they can't it's wait. It's amazing. What's wrong with the Patriots? What's wrong with the Patriots is they played, uh, you know, back-to-back road games. One in the division, one against a team that they've owned for a decade and a half, and is tired of hearing about it. And was on a losing streak and was desperate because they know they're going to New Orleans next week. Pittsburgh absolutely, positively had to win that game. The Patriots didn't. I mean, people don't understand. It's amazing these people that watch the NFL year in and year out don't understand how it works. They don't understand that road division games, even when you're playing the Miami Dolphins, are, are a struggle. 
Yeah. And going into going to Heinz Field to play a desperate Steelers team that has a lot of talent. Going to be a, yeah, it, it is still offensively good, and to hold them to seventeen, I think you had to like your chances. But uh, just not a disciplined <laughs> performance by the Patriots. Oh, yeah, you were blaming the officials. Well, most of those calls were were legit. Oh, they were legit. Especially the holding, yeah. especially the holding on Shag Mason. You can't tackle a guy on the goal line. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so uh, yeah. It, 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 it's amazing. It's fun. They they can't wait to tear it down. And I kind of like that. I kind of like the idea that they're sneaking in this year, uh, maybe a little wounded, a little bit un, undersold, because I think people must know deep down it's 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 wishful thinking on their part that maybe we're going to see something new. But uh, deep down, they must know that uh, if this team can can get a little healthy and get a couple of wins under its belt at home, they're going to be very dangerous going into the playoffs. Yeah, you bring up a great point about how, like, this is, like, yeah, Pete Rozelle's dream because I I thought the Rams were clearly the best team in the NFL for a majority of the season. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, Jared Goff has forgotten how to play quarterback. And yeah, it's, he he, start, he looks like the Jared, the Jeff Fisher Jared Goff. Yeah, yeah really. Right. <laughs> and it's, yeah, I, I think that must be scary to them. Uh, he just looks happy feet in the pocket back yeah, there. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what's uh, – yeah, I, and, and even the Saints. I mean, they the past three weeks they've they've driving Bruce. Yeah. Uh, Bruce had Earth. one touchdown pass. I called him Bruce. Maybe that was a Freudian slip. Cause they're, <laughs> they're taking a they're taking a little bit of a beating offensively. Only yes. only one TD pass in each of the last three games. I think they 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 have a little bit of an identity crisis. You know that that thing with you know, Kamara and and Ingram works as long as everybody's happy. But I, I think you get. Sometimes it's like basketball and in the Warriors situation where you, you, you've got to keep everybody satisfied. You've only got one ball there, and uh, you've got to have an identity. And, and maybe the Saints are lacking that a little bit at a, at a crucial time of the year. So uh, I just I still don't believe defense is going to carry that team. It never has and never will. So uh, they've got to figure some things out, too. Well, moving over to baseball real quick, you touched on the Red Sox in your column saying that they should at least try Nathan Evaldi as a closer uh, next year, in terms of you know hot stove league, what the Red Sox need to do, in your opinion, to try to you know make the moves they need to make to defend that World Series title. I mean, it, it's always the trick, isn't it? Is like you don't want to stand pat and and, yeah. and not make any changes because you know the Yankees, you know the Indians, you know other teams are are busy, and and you know you can't just you know stay status quo and get a year older. And but I don't think you want to reinvent the wheel too much. And I think you got to find that. Uh, that happy medium there. And I, and I think they'll have, you know, knock on wood, health, health being the issue, of course, more than enough pitching going into the start of the season. Uh, you know, maybe maybe the thing that's made this team successful when they've won the World Series uh, those times, those four times, is they've always made those under-the-radar acquisitions, those, those glue guys that hold things together. And I, I'd like to see, you know, Whatever move they make, don't you, you don't need to you don't need to go for the, uh, the big the big splashy move, the big uh, headline grab. And the Yankees do that, and it's been to their peril, I think, but in this century anyway. <laughs> so uh, I don't think you have to do anything too crazy. You just don't want to do anything that disrupts the chemistry of that locker room. I mean, because uh, I, I think you, you they got a, they got a pretty good thing going in that clubhouse right now. They obviously. Uh, you don't want to, you don't want to tinker with it. Don't, don't, don't spike the mix any more than you have to. He's Cal Oaks of the Georgetown News Graphic. Has a twice a month column in the Sun Journal. The most recent one, the Hot Corner, a Christmas list for local sports fans. You can find that now at Sun Journal. 
Oaksy72.com. And you can follow Cal on Twitter at Oaksy72. Cal, thanks so much. We'll talk to you, I think, in a couple weeks now. We got yeah, Christmas next Tuesday. Yeah, you guys have a great Christmas and yeah. Happy New Year, and we'll look forward to it. All right, you too. That's Cal Oaks care, again Cal. here on the B-List Daily on the new 105.5 Sports.